there's so much in that book that isn't just for kids. And during our, our study of, uh, of this book, during Advent, one of the things that stuck out to many of the people in our group was the encouragement for us to be looking for those things in Christmas, looking for those things uh, in the season of Christmas that we might find pointing us to the things that matter, the things that matter uh, in our faith, the things that matter to God, the things that, that we can take from Christmas and live all year long. And I've been thinking a lot about this because today, like I said, is the first Sunday of Christmas. Christmas doesn't end today, but in so much of our December world, Christmas ends with December. And um, I actually sent a text to some friends last night, and I said, please don't pack up Christmas tomorrow. They usually are completely packed up by, uh, by today. And I said, just don't do it. And it, it's none of my business. I'm not going to be in their house. But they did reply and say, we're going to wait a couple of days. So I felt, I felt pretty good. And last year, that's a, it's progress, Loretta. Last year, uh, I made the request, or it might have been two years ago, to some of our folks in our um, um, midday prayer group, we talked about the nativity and keeping the nativity out. And I think, uh, I think Joyce said hers is still out. Did it stay out all year? Yeah, it stayed out all year. And I, I said, at least keep the nativity out uh, through Epiphany, to be a reminder. Um, I was going to be a little silly today and, and during the hymn start putting out candles and taking away Christmas, and I, I decided I didn't need an object lesson. But I've been thinking about it a lot because then I asked the question, if I'm asking us, if I'm inviting us to not pack up Christmas, why? Why do I care about that? And I think it's connected to that observation that I shared that people were making during our book discussion about the, the book on the Grinch. Because if what we're looking for in Advent and spending time in Christmas, uh, in the Christmas season leading up to Christmas, if we're looking for these characteristics of Christ in our world, in our lives, in our midst, then perhaps that's what I'm encouraging us to not pack up. It's not about the decorations. It's about the closeness that we can feel to understanding Christ during this season and then celebrating Christ, the, the mystery of Christ coming into the world. Um, perhaps that's what I'm encouraging us to not pack up. And so the opposite of not packing up to me is, um, is celebrating and living into this first day. Of Christmas. So the first Sunday of Christmas, the first day of Christmas, this is just the beginning. So if this is just the beginning of how we are going to live our days of Christmas, then I want to look to Scripture as our guide in that. And I think it's interesting that um, for this first Sunday of Christmas, the book of Colossians chapter, it's on our sheet here, uh, chapter 3, 12 through 17, is our text, uh, is one of our texts for the day. And this letter, written by Paul to the church in Colossae, is one that we actually studied uh, together as a church. We had a few sermons on it. You know, this is testing me because I didn't put my little marker. So I think I'm just going to read from our sheet because I'll be sitting here. That's okay. All right. 
failed that test. All right. Uh, the, book of, the book of Colossians, especially chapter 3, is a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting letter because the first part of this chapter of the letter, Paul is basically telling you what not to do. And people sometimes don't get past it because it's very negative. It's like, don't be evil. Don't do this. Hate this. You know, do all these things that, um, or don't do all these things. And then there's a switch at verse 12, which is where our text starts today. And in that switch at verse 12, he goes from the negatives to the positives. So they call them negations, and then these are the positive admonitions. Uh, and so let's listen to this text, and I want you to listen for it from this perspective of two things. One, listen for what it means in Paul's writing here that Christ became one among us, that Christ became human. But then listen also for these characteristics. And as you're listening, you might even think about whether any of these characteristics in particular are ones that, um, oh, you might need in your life, or you might be able to work on or welcome into your life. And then we're going to talk about that a little bit. Here are reading from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And to be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul's writing here to basically say to the, to the people, look, this is who Christ was. This is what it meant for God to be living among humanity. That God becoming human, enfleshed, we never, we never think, I don't think too much about that, about that phrase, that, that Christ became flesh. It's more than Christ became a man, or Christ even became human, but Christ became flesh among us. And Christ becoming flesh among us lived this life that did the things that Paul is describing here, lived with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. But the interesting thing about this text is that Paul's writing to a church. He's not writing just to individuals and saying, this is what you individually should do. He's saying, this is, these are characteristics that should embody what the church is. These are characteristics that should be who a church is. 
Within that church are the people, the people gathered. And so we have this dance a little bit between our own personal characteristics, our characteristics of, of love, our characteristics of finding uh, peacefulness, kindness, humility, our, our individual decision to find forgiveness and to seek ways that we can bring about peace in the lives of others. And so you've got this individual peace, individual component, and then the group component, the group coming together. And so this idea then that if we're seeking to live lives individually that recognize that the Christ who became flesh and walked among us is the same Christ who we seek to follow, then what Paul says is that we're set apart. We're set apart from a world that seems to do these other things, the negative things that he describes in the first part of the chapter. But then here, being set apart, we are to seek to have compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Essentially, the outside should match the inside. If Christ is dwelling within us, if Christ is, is with us in our lives and in our hearts, then our outside, our actions, should match our internal identity. And he's trying to tell the people that this is what they are called to do and who they are called to to be. And just like if we have uh, ill-fitting clothes or, or um, uh, ratty, tattered clothes, it might d- distract from who we are, what we look like, what we really actually look like. In the same way, if our actions don't match who we are on the inside, then perhaps it takes away from that image of Christ being within us. This is what sin really is, right? If we look at at being created in the image of God and being created in the image of Christ, that you are designed to love in the world like Christ loved, sin is what keeps us from doing that. And so when we come to church, when we come to this place, part of what we do is seek to be ones who embody our image, our divine image in which we were created. And so how do we do that? And I think Paul in this text offers us two ways that we can do it. First is right in the middle of the text. Actually, it's like three lines up from the bottom on our, on our um, printed text. He says, and be thankful. Be thankful. Live thankfully. When we live our lives in a way that seeks to reflect Christ into the world. This is the ultimate way that we are giving thanks to God. We give thanks with our lives. We cultivate a spirit around us of one of gratefulness, and it turns us then to look at the miracles of what God does in the world and what God does in our lives. So living thankfully is the first piece. The second piece, the second piece is this idea of what I'm calling living Christmas, or living this first Sunday of Christmas every day of our lives. This is what Paul writes. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Just as Christ came into the world and lived in the world, we seek to be ones who allow Christ to dwell in us richly. And there's an element, as I mentioned, of this that's communal. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. 
sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Did you notice in the Grinch that the songs were an integral part of what happens as the community comes together? It's two things. One, it's the thing that drives the Grinch nuts at the beginning, right? Those songs, the noise. And then at the end, it's the songs that he hears that, that help him to recognize and see that, that he didn't break them. He didn't break them. And so why is that? Why are songs something that matter, that matter so much? I think there's something about Christmas time. You know, we looked at these, these hymns that we're picking, and, and I went around, and some people might not have had ideas, but then I came back, and then they had an idea. Maybe they looked at the hymnal, or they, or they thought about what songs matter to them. Songs matter, and at Christmas time, we sing them more than at other times of the year. And at Christmas time, you think about our Christmas Eve services, both of them, we had a lot of music. A lot of singing, it, it, particularly in the pageant, we, we infiltrate it with lots of hymns so that we're singing those carols and, and one verse at a time. And, and they trigger in people feelings, right? What are the feelings people have when they come into this place on Christmas Eve? What are the, the feelings they have during Christmas time? Songs trigger feelings. Songs tri trigger us to uh, have an attachment. And so the use of music in the church is a huge part of who we are. It's a huge part of how we gather. But I want to take it one step further, which is to acknowledge that it's the gathering, it's being together, it's being with others on the journey that matters when it comes to living this sustained faith, living this faith where Christ dwells among us. And so singing is a piece of that. But it's, it's like... Uh, um, that, well, it's kind of like the uh, part that's growing above ground, and we've got to pull, pull it out to see the potato. The potato is that living together, that being with one another, that being a Christian isn't something we're designed to do alone. It's something we do in community. We practice peace. I often say that when we're passing the peace in church, it's great to greet one another, but it's also practice for how we're going to go out into the world. When Paul writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, he's not just talking about you individually, he's talking about the church, that the church should be a place where peace is practiced, so that when you go into the world, you can bring Christ's peace into the world. So, as I've been thinking about this sermon, I've been preparing a bit yesterday and I was coming up, returning to the Advent wreath repeatedly, because in this text, we, we read about peace, we read about love, we read about hope. And I'm reading through it, and then I went back to, um, to that prayer again of confession, and looked at that part in the prayer of confession, where it says, the times we have focused so much on our own lives and desires that we've neglected the voices of your children. And then I... I was taken back to our scripture lesson from the 10 p.m. service on Christmas Eve, the Isaiah text that Tom and Kay read for us, and looking at the way that, that God is so much moving in our lives when there's pain, when there's darkness, and in the world when there's injustice and oppression. That's when we see God working more than any other time. When someone is suffering, someone is struggling, all of these pieces, and that 
that those are the times when those characteristics of love, peace, hope, and joy are more needed than ever. Well, overnight, I don't know if you saw this news, but Archbishop Desmond Tutu died um, at, at the age of 90. He uh, had cancer, and, um, and I want to read to you some quotes from Desmond Tutu. And I'm going to read them slowly and invite you to listen to them. And you might even hold out that scripture text while I read them, because I got goosebumps this morning, and I'm often surprised by God, but I was powerfully surprised by the correlation between these quotes of Tutu's and what we read in that scripture text. And if there was a model, a human model in our modern era of someone who sought to live out the gospel and to live Christmas every day, I would say that Tutu is, is very likely um, one, of those, one of those models. So let's listen. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. It is through weakness and vulnerability that most of us learn empathy and compassion and discover our soul. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. We are each made for goodness, love, and compassion. Our lives are transformed as much as the world is when we live with these truths. Peace comes when you talk to the one you most hate, and that's where the courage of a leader comes, because when you sit down with your enemy, you as a leader must already have very considerable confidence from your own constituency. My humanity is bound up in yours, for we can only be human together. Friends, this phrase that Paul uses, clothe yourselves in Christ. In one of the books we read a couple years ago in our early risers group, we were encouraged to think about that imagery when we were getting dressed. We were getting dressed in the morning. Clothing ourselves in Christ. Taking on Christ's way of life. Allowing ourselves to be transformed. Not just by our own actions, but by God's love at work in the gospel, and God's grace, God's care for us, 
God's grace at work in the world and in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In the song, O Holy Night, there's this line, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. In another one of those strange moments, I had a friend, a pastor friend, post on Facebook and said, I don't see that line in scripture anywhere. How do we get that, that his gospel is peace? And then, again, I'm sitting with the, our text, and it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I think it's right there, that Christ seeks to bring peace to a world, that the body of Christ, the body of Christ was a body that sought to bring peace to the world. And what it looks like is us living the first day of Christmas each day when we wake up again and anew. The first day of Christmas. Let it be so. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks this day for a day right after Christmas to help us so closely look at our lives and recognize that you desire that we would be ones who allow you to dwell within us and allow us to then live in the world in a way that brings your love, that helps us live out your love to a world so much in need. In your son's name we pray. Amen.